Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Centered, Committed, Confident, a podcast dedicated to helping you center your life on Christ, commit yourself to discipleship, and become more confident in the Word of God. My name is Cody Rogers. I'm Regan Erickson. And I'm Hannah Erickson. And this is going to be a special episode or two. We're going to take another break from the New City Catechism, and we're going to talk about, um, I don't know whether to call it a current event, a current issue, current topic, um, relevant topic, maybe. Yeah. Um, it's just something that's going on in the college community here in the quad cities. Uh, you can probably tell by the title, but today we are talking about the Beyonce mass that is happening at Augustana college in April. I think it's like April, what? 13th, 7th, something like that. It's it's in April, but, um, and if you are listening to this for the first time, I imagine it's because I mentioned this podcast on the Thursday night message where this was used as my illustration. So, Actually, I haven't preached it yet. I'm going to preach it tonight, right? But in my illustration, I'm going to mention this. I'm actually going to show the video um, of nice. the Beyonce Mass, um, just a clip of it. And um, I will direct you, point you here to this podcast if you want to hear an in-depth discussion on everything said. Because, uh, well, I'm preaching tonight, but I'm not preaching on the Beyonce Mass. It just happens to be an illustration in my message, right? So this is your spot to hear everything we have to, to think about it. Um, so let me give just a very quick overview of what's going on. Augustana is throwing on this Beyonce mass. They sent an email out uh, promoting it. In that email, they, they gave a video link that is meant to give you a better understanding of what the Beyonce mass is. It's about a five-minute long video. We're going to go through most of it. There's a part I cut out because there's some language in it. but um, I, So I, I cut that little part out. Um, and we're going to be going through the, I call them the major speaking clips, like the parts of it that don't just show like the singing, but actually have content to evaluate. As we go through it, we are going to respond with a biblical worldview. Okay. So this has to do with centering your life on Christ. Mm-hmm. And this has to do with being more confident in the word of God mm-hmm. and committing yourself to discipleship because we want to disciple others properly. And we mm-hmm. definitely don't want to disciple them in this type of religion. Um, so I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Let's, uh, do you guys have anything to say before we go into this? Nope. Nope. Okay. I will add, we are three white people sitting in a room, right? Four, yeah. four I guess, if you count baby Silas. But <laughs> I, I said last week I wouldn't make any more Silas jokes. <laughs> Dang it. All right. I lied to you all. <laughs> I confess and repent. Um, so uh, you know, take that with with a slight, I don't want to say grain of salt, but... We do understand that we currently do not have like the voice of a black person in this room with us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we are going to do our best to stick to just the biblical worldview, like the Mm -hmm. things that we know are um, being spoken in this video and how they relate to scripture itself. Mm -hmm. Will that relate to the topic of race? It's going to have to a little bit because that's part of this event, but we will try to walk that, you know, razor fine edge of making Mm -hmm. sure we're being as biblical as possible. Um, and trying to keep as much of that worldview in mind. Mm-hmm. Does that I like feel, that. feel like That's a good, good uh, disclaimer to give? Yeah. Okay. Um, I would say, too, please keep the conversation going. If you would like to have a further discussion on something we said, um, send me an email. You know, we're recording this pretty, like, immediate. Um, we're recording this on Thursday. You're going to be listening to it on Friday, and we're recording the next one next Thursday. So there's plenty of time to answer your questions. Feel free mm-hmm. to to email me, uh, CodyR at cdbible.org, and I'd love to include you in the conversation. All right, let's get started with this. Here's the first clip from the video. There'll be some music. I'll be adjusting the gains. So hopefully it's not too loud for you listeners. 
I'm at Grace Cathedral in San Francisco, California. Hundreds of folks are gonna come here to witness the Beyonce Mass, bringing together secular music and a religious message to tell a story of empowerment for particularly women of color, but for anyone who happens to sing praises to the goddess herself, Beyonce. All right. Let's just ask what stands out right away. <laughs> sing praises to the goddess herself, Beyonce. Yep. Yeah, what an interesting choice of words, right? To pitch the event as a an event that um, has a focus on the spirituality of Black women. Mm-hmm. I think is that I think that's proper language to say. Uh, you know, I'll grab the advertisement one sec. Yeah, so groundbreaking Christian worship service featuring Beyonce's music that celebrates the spirituality of Black women. Now, clearly, what she said in the host of the video, what she said, takes that a little bit further, I would say. Mm -hmm. So what's wrong with the statement? I mean, one, we shouldn't be praising anything but God. So we're already seeing false worship right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our praises belong to one and one alone. Right. That is God. Right. God, the, the triune God, God, mm-hmm. the father, God, the son, God, the spirit. Mm-hmm. But that is God. Right. Mm-hmm. One being three persons and our praises belong to him and him alone. Mm-hmm. And it isn't like there's a whole bunch of gods out there and he's just the one that we choose. He's yes. the only yep. God So to even refer to um, Beyonce as a goddess, even if she wasn't implying like true deity, you know, I feel like goddess right. is also like a slang it is. cultural term, but that there is only one God ever. Yeah. And yeah. it's a God that we worship. And there's nothing else on this earth worth using as a, as a, like a vehicle to get to worshiping God. Like we don't need a person to take us there. Jesus takes us to the, the presence of the Lord through his death. And so we don't need somebody like Beyonce to do that. Yeah. And I think even if you get rid of the word goddess, let's say that was slang, right? Mm-hmm. Let's let's say, oh, we didn't mean it like she's a deity. Let's just get rid of the word altogether and sing praises to Beyonce. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. make the sentence any better no. whatsoever. Actually, it almost makes it seem more naked and worse to yeah. me, yeah. you yeah. know, because it gets rid of the humor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, Psalm 29, ascribe to the Lord, the glory that is due his name, worship the Lord in splendor of his holiness. Right. I mean, there is one Lord that glory is due to his name mm-hmm. and we are called as his people to ascribe glory to him. John four twenty three and 24, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father. So true worshipers worship the father in spirit and truth, right? Um, for the father is seeking such worshipers. So Literally, the, the meaning of that verse is that true worshipers are those that worship the Father. There is no such thing as worship outside of worshiping the, the Father in spirit and truth. So, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry. Obviously, we hit a worship topic right away. That's going to mm-hmm. get the worship pastor and me going. Um, <laughs> I just want to bring up, I think this relates right with the the advertisement that they put out. So this is the email. It says, Beyonce Mass is a groundbreaking Christian worship service featuring Beyonce's music that celebrates the spirituality of black women. I think that there is poor wording and, and the, and maybe you can push back on this, but if we're saying Christian worship service, Mm -hmm. that means a service filled with worship towards the 
the person that Christians follow, Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Like worship means to ascribe worth to, that's the definition. Mm -hmm. And if it's a Christian worship service, it is a, a service meant to ascribe worth to Christ. And I don't think that you can fill it in with anything and say celebrate anything but Christ. Mm -hmm. Like I can't say it's a Christian worship service that celebrates American freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense. You can't celebrate something within a service that isn't Christ himself and and have it not be idolatry. I agree. I think, I think that's the big distinction to make here in that, you know, regardless of what the issue is behind the, the issue's point is not to be made in a service to celebrate the Lord. That that's, not yeah it's not the place for it and i just think through like what if the the jewish people went into the temple went into the holy of holies and began ascribing worth or celebrating their beards mm-hmm. right like th- the thought of just entering into the temple mm-hmm. to worship like where the worship of god belongs and then to begin celebrating anything besides god himself is is uh, just absolute uh, perversion of mm-hmm. yeah. of worship itself. I think celebration does happen in worship services and it should happen. And there are things that we celebrate that are happening in our lives and things that God has done for us. But again, it is all to God and for God. It is not anything about ourselves or that we yeah. have done. Um, so there is celebration, but we cannot misplace What and who we're celebrating. Join us this Good Friday as we come together and celebrate the cross of Christ, Mm -hmm. right? What that means in our lives and how Mm -hmm. it gives Christ more glory. Mm -hmm. Join us this Easter as we celebrate Mm -hmm. the risen Christ. Um, For baptism services, as we see people crossing from death into life because of what God has done, we do celebrate those things in our worship services, Mm -hmm. but it's still all geared towards the work of God in it and through it. I mean, I think even of if you're around for when the South End was built out at Coram Deo here, when we had a service talking about that, it wasn't about the South End itself being built, but it was about the blessings of the Lord and the opportunity to just like make the name of the Lord known more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. There, there are ways to celebrate the things that God has given us and still worship him for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're gonna, it's going to be made more clear as this video goes on that it's not just that they're using poor word choice is that their, their motive is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you were to just watch this part, you could be like, okay, maybe just poor word choice, right? Maybe they just, you mm-hmm. know, maybe somebody typed this up. that's not really thinking about the implications of what they're saying the- theologically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, that's going to be proven false pretty quickly. Yeah. Something that's interesting. You can actually go out and there's a website for this. And I was looking at that and in their FAQ question, there's a, a question directly related to this and ask, are you worshiping Beyonce? This is how they answer. They say, no, Beyonce mass is a worship service that is open to all. They do not deify Beyonce. Uh, The service uses her life and music as a tool to engender positive, empowering conversations about black women. So at first that sounds nice because they're saying, no, we're not deifying Beyonce, even though from my perspective, from what I've seen, the way that they're going about using Beyonce's music is very deifying to her from an outside perspective. And then the point of it is empowering conversations about black women. Yeah. What we missed before they talked about the goddess Beyonce is that they're coming together. What'd she say? Secular music 
with a religious message. Yes. Right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's all right. That should be the first red flag before we even got to the Beyonce part is that they are using um, secular things as their means of worship. And it, I'm not saying that nothing secular can ever be used Correct. for yeah. worship. Like our work should be worshiped to the Lord and our yeah. work isn't, you know, a thing right. of the church. I, I play a guitar that in itself is not a Christian guitar. Right. It is a exactly. secular instrument, and I'm using it for the glory of the Lord. There are instances in which you can yes. use secular things. But to be using um, lyrics or things written not with a, um intent of God-glorifying worship as your means to worship, it's just very muddy yeah. waters. Yeah. It just makes things instantly yeah. gray at the very least, if not outright and, wrong. And my question is just, why is that a highlight? Mm-hmm. Like, why is it a highlight of the service that you use secular music? Like, what are you what are you winning people over to then? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you drawing them towards? If it, it's not to just the goodness of God, right? You mm-hmm. are it's it, it's even in that seeker friendly movement, right? You are mm-hmm. trying to win them over to something that is not Christ Himself, whether it mm-hmm. be the you know the the music is really great therefore it's going to mm-hmm. open you up to the message and it's just a, a horizontal view of how god works in the world yeah and i think we'll get to this later in the video so maybe i'm jumping into soon. yeah and we'll have to get into it um but like one of the reasons that they are using beyonce so beyonce has a lot of spiritual um under or overtones depending on how you see it in her music and so they are relating to her and her um black female experience into into her spirituality and so trying to work it in um, but I think that we forget that scripture says that Christ understands all of our sufferings and he understands all of our temptations, talks about that in Hebrews, and that Jesus Amen. understands <laughs> what every person on earth and every situation is experiencing better than any other human can also. And so um, to be looking for someone else to sympathize in your experiences is going to fall flat and it's going to disappoint you over and over because Beyonce isn't perfect and Beyonce is going to disappoint you. But Christ is the one that truly understands and can sympathize in all of it. And he is perfect. And so he won't disappoint you. Beyonce is not all satisfying. Beyonce is not the high priest. Yeah. Right. Beyonce is not the intercessor between us and God. Jesus Christ is. All right. Let's move on. This is the second part of the clip uh, of the video I want to show. This is, it looks to be the beginning of the, you know, it's a, it's a couple of people that are hosting actually speaking to the quote unquote congregation, mm-hmm. the, the people gathered there. Yo, I'm out of breath because we sing Beyonce in church. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, we do have a community that is youthful and loving and looks to the world as a partner, not an enemy. So if that's new to you, I hope it's good news. God actually loves you. All right. I actually cover this a bit in my message, um, but let's, I'll reiterate, I'll reiterate, I'll reiterate it here. Um, but first, I want to hear your guys' thoughts because you don't know what I'm going to say in my message yet. So yeah. I, I want to I know your initial just gut punch reactions to that. I just heard this this time we listened to it here. I didn't hear it when I first listened to the video, but he says that they see the world as a friend, not an enemy. Partner. As yeah. a partner. A partner. Not an enemy. That is just not biblical. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll get into why in a minute. I think too, when he talks about, um, like we believe God actually loves you. I think there's like this dig at, um, like evangelical Christianity and cause like their whole purpose is to bring in 
um, like women of color. They talk about bringing in. I think this is the next clip. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Silas is so really sorry, taking over. Everybody, at this point. he's really fired up. He's about taking this. over. Um, and bringing in people from the LGBT community and like being like the safe place, Harbrook. They said partner to everybody, and so I think it's like this. Yeah, dig at evangelical Christianity. Like, oh, they say God loves you, but then there's no place for you there. And so God can't really love you. Neither do they, but we do. We love mm-hmm. you. We partner with you. And because of that, you can actually believe that God really does yeah, love and, you. And one of the things I talk about in the message is if you want to be able to understand uh, the logic behind a statement, take the inverse of the statement, right? Like inverse it, and that will show you the log- the trail of logic. And so if they are saying that the way for you to feel God's love is that they are in partnership with the world, then the inverse statement is when you are not in partnership with the world, you will not feel God's love. Yeah, it's a good way to look at and it. And so um, I, Scripture just directly confronts this. When Jesus says that you are not of this world, I have yep. chosen you, and because I have chosen you, the world will hate you. Yeah. And newsflash, you can't be a partner with somebody that hates you. Yeah. Right. Like I cannot be like, I'm not entering into a marriage in which Brittany and I both hate each other. No. Um, it, it, one, it doesn't make for a successful partnership, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that, so and I'm going into more verses tonight in my message, but, uh, John and first John are both really great places that talk about, um, not being of the world. Right. And that yep. the world actually being opposed to, uh, the people of God. And I really hit on to, um, like, I do. I don't want to mix up the love for people and the love for the world, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I think that these people are getting um, confused, and they are. Um, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I think they are confused in the idea that uh, the love for the people of the world is the same thing as love for the world and its values, right? And so, mm-hmm. one of the examples I go into tonight is. Like, I don't have to love and value cocaine to love the person addicted to it, right? And I don't have to elevate it to a place of importance and acceptance in order to love the person that's addicted to it. Um, And and go go into the drunkard, right? Go into into homosexuality. Like, I don't have to lovingly approve of your homosexuality in order to love you. Yeah. And and I think they're equating the the same thing. Yeah, I'd agree. You have to love that and tolerate it in order for you to love the person. And yes, you're right. We'll get into that. In just a little bit. Anything else on that? Okay. So now it heads into a bit of an interview uh, between mm-hmm. one of the, the the Catholic priest that is uh, helping put this thing on. Um, he's not like the main guy. Like we'll get into her in a little bit, but um, this is the Catholic priest that's also talking at the event. What can you tell me about the progressive nature of Grace Cathedral? I think a lot of the people who show up tonight are people of color, LGBT people, people on whom other people's narratives have been projected. And I mean, just to be honest, the church hasn't been the best about lifting up those voices. All right. I, did, um, the, I didn't originally plan on stopping the clip here, but um, what do they mean? What does he mean by people whose narrative has been like projected onto them? Right? People who've had a narrative projected onto them. Like, what do, what do you think that means? Yeah, I think that's um, probably... I'm trying to figure out how to word this best. Like alluding to the fact that, um, I mean, we believe in scripture has very clear, um, 
guidelines for what life should be, for what marriage looks like, for um, the value and dignity and worth of a person, for so many different things. And so I think that when they say narrative being um, projected on, I think that they would see these narratives that we have from scripture um, being the expectation that we have on humanity. Like forcing it upon them yes. when that's not who they are. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And so using these quote unquote narratives and yeah, forcing them to fit into a mold that, that they don't believe that they fit into. Yeah. Um, and that gets into him talking about how their voices haven't been elevated before. Mm-hmm. So yep. we've forced a narrative onto them and not given them their own voice to say, mm-hmm. no, this is who we are mm-hmm. and this yep. is what the world is like. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I find it interesting that at the beginning of that section where it talks about the progressive nature and it, that kind of shows where it kind of falls under that camp of like the progressive movement that's been going on. And I think a lot of this falls under that umbrella where it's a, a lot of the emphasis has moved on yeah. to what's more of a quote progressive Christianity is what they would define it as. Yeah. And I think my simple question to them would be, okay, where does the authority of the world lie then? Mm-hmm. Right. The authority is supposed to lie in God, the mm-hmm. creator of, of heaven and earth, right? The creator of all of mankind, the like Christ, this the creator and sustainer of everything. The authority is supposed to rest in him, but... If we try to push back on that and say, no, 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 we have a say about who we are and mm-hmm. and our identity and, and what we how we think the world should spin, that is trying to place the authority in our own hands, right? And I, I equate it to Adam and Eve, yeah. like trying to have the knowledge of God. Yeah. You know, Adam and Eve wanted to be able to see like God saw, right? Yeah. Well, and it kind of goes back to that one podcast we did. I don't remember what the exact topic was, but we, we were like, why, what's the point of worshiping a God who doesn't have ultimate authority over that? Yeah. And I think whenever you truly understand scripture and the heart of God, that being um, like having this quote unquote narrative on your life is actually so freeing. Like to have um, scripture being so clear about the realities of the world um, and our identity in it whenever we're in Christ actually brings freedom. It doesn't bring bondage. And that's why I think the world sees. And, um, yeah, I think that there's just this misunderstanding and we're missing the best, not the best things of God, but these really amazing gifts of the Lord. Whenever we think that the way that he has designed us to live is a bondage thing, not a freeing thing. Yeah. And, and the bondage we actually feel in that moment when someone says something that, um, alienates our actions or alienates the things that we have been desiring, that's, that's called conviction of sin. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, that doesn't feel good for anybody. You know, like no one likes to be convicted of sin. No one. And, and sin, I don't just mean the, like the actions that we take. I mean, the nature of ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like the sin nature we have to, to desire the things that oppose God. Mm -hmm. And, and so one of the responses to say, nope, actually this is how it is. And to mm-hmm. just change the narrative mm-hmm. exactly like Satan did in the garden to, yeah. to change the narrative. Yeah. As did to God what really God's... say? Yeah. 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 It's the exact same thing. It's been mm-hmm. happening since the beginning of time. Yeah. Yep. All right. And I think Go, one more thing, um, that it is, I think we need to note, uh, kind of what he was saying. Our church does have a, our, like the church universal has a really ugly history um, in skewing scripture, um, to oppressed people. You think about, yeah. um, the South and, 
I mean, my grandpa tells stories about growing up in the Southern Baptist Church in the South and the horrible things that he saw um, as far as racism and different things go. Scripture can um, be distorted the other way around. Yes. You're right. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. Satan distorted God's word, and, and so can we even on the on the side of of conservative Christianity. Mm-hmm. Right? We, mm-hmm. You're right. I mean, we, we definitely can. Um, the abuse can happen on both sides, yeah. for sure. Yeah. No, no side is free and, mm-hmm. and innocent of that by any means. But how we choose to respond to it, yeah, is still uh, is what we're held accountable to, right? Mm-hmm. Like yep. that, um, why can't I think of the word all of a sudden? Uh, Romans um, that we are without excuse, mm-hmm. right? Like we're all without excuse. None of us are trying to be blameless. Well, I mean, we all want to be because yeah, be we're blameless. sinful, right? Yeah. We want to be blameless, or we want to be like Christ. But all right, I don't need to head down that road. Let's just finish this little clip. It really began as us saying, how can we actually be the people of God that we hope to be in the world? And Beyonce is the perfect passage to get that message out there. Honestly, I think Beyonce is a better theologian than many of the pastors and priests in our church today. That is not an exaggeration. <laughs> oh, I man. Would, I would love to hear his definition of theologian. I would love to see what Beyonce thinks about I know. Yeah, I just, really. That's I feel... what I keep thinking. Does Beyonce, like, how does she feel... Does she know? Like, does she consider about herself being a, called theologian? a theologian? Yeah. yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't even listen to Beyonce, so I can't say really anything about her. But I would assume most celebrities don't consider themselves theologians. No, most is she what pop singer technically? Yeah, R and B. Yeah, R and B maybe celebrity singers. Let's just say that. I, I don't think. Yeah, it's just, it's just such a weird thing to throw upon somebody, and maybe she has said it somewhere. I don't know. But either way, this and sta- that would be such a sad reality of our world if that was true. Yeah. Like if if Beyonce really is a better theologian than Cody or Pastor Rob or John Piper, like we are in for a world of trouble <laughs> if that's true. The, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and I know like he's a Catholic priest, and they're about to get into Catholic stuff. So I mean, he's calling out his own, mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. know, and there's like. You know, you could easily look at that and be like, amen. Yeah, you're right. Better than most Catholic theology. But that's not true either. No. Right? Like, yeah. there, there are aspects of Catholic theology that, I mean, Luther came out of the Catholic tradition originally, mm-hmm. right? And the yeah. Reformation was much needed. Um, God ordained. But just the thought that somebody, yeah, I don't, I don't even want to get into it at this point. I'm going to say something that I don't mean and it's going to insult somebody. But in general, wow. That's, that's all yeah, I that's, that's just a big statement. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm not sure there's, I mean, I'm not going to biblically refute that, right? Like, how do you determine what, who a better, how do you determine that? Yeah. What's the standard of better theologian? The one that you resonate with the most? Yeah. Like, what's the biblical standard of someone that's a good theologian? Hopefully biblical accuracy, but. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Oh. Yeah. We're coming up uh, 27 minutes into the podcast, so we'll play just another small little clip. According to a recent Gallup poll, Catholic church attendance has gone down nearly 40% since the 1950s. But tonight's Beyonce mass is set to draw crowds in the hundreds. And though I don't consider Beyonce to be a religious symbol, like some of her most ardent fans, there's no denying her strong use of religious symbolism throughout her music and performances. Paying homage to everything from female African deities, The Last Supper, Black Madonna, and the Virgin Mary herself. I spoke with Reverend Yolanda Norton, Beyonce fan and organizer of the event, to find out where the idea came from to mix Beyonce with the Bible. 
the event was born out of a class that I teach mm -hmm. uh, called Beyonce in the Hebrew Bible. So I walked them through this process of thinking about how the music of Beyonce helped us have conversations about black women and how we worship and our mm -hmm. spirituality. The Lord be with you. Okay. Um, I don't know if she says Beyonce in the Hebrew Bible or Beyonce and, and the Hebrew and Bible. B. Yeah, it's hard to tell. I assume it's I the it and. Oh, it's it did Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was hoping that it would at least be, you know, the and. second one. Not yeah. that that's much better, but I took a few classes that were very like, so I went to a liberal arts college um, and I took like Harry Potter and the Bible, right? And it was mm -hmm. just literally a class dedicated to um, the symbology in Harry Potter that could be representative of Christian tradition, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's a name to draw people in. The study mm -hmm. itself, it actually wasn't too bad. You know, it's it more of a more of a literature cl literature class than anything else. Um, so I, I want to give the benefit of the doubt and say, oh, maybe it's more of like a music appreciation course, right, mm -hmm. or a literature mm -hmm. course. Um, we don't know for sure. Obviously, the result of that class is this mass, mm -hmm. um, which crosses some lines mm -hmm. <laughs> to say the least i don't do you guys have anything to add to what that statement was i don't remember if i read it on their website or a different video but i think she does talk about um like in beyonce's lyrics having um like her lyrics are like a story of like christ's redemption or um like to see yourself in the narrative okay well then how does that fit into the bible like if her song is a narrative of your life where does the bible come into that and so it's very much using it as a lens to read scripture mm -hmm. um which i think is what is dangerous because scripture oh, yeah. should be the lens that we use to view everything else yeah um but it's kind of twisting it backwards yep. so that what we're reading in scripture um is yeah being seen through the lyrics, the symbology or whatever of Beyonce's performances and her lyrics. Yeah. Which I think is dangerous. I, I, I'm also like Cody, I don't know a lot about Beyonce. So I'm going to take what the video says and run just off of that. And if she's representing like African deities amongst all these other symbols, I'm going to be very concerned about using her words to understand Christian nature when there's a lot more than just a Christian God that she's representing, mm -hmm. let alone mm -hmm. none of none of that is understood in the biblical background, which I don't, I'm going to assume wasn't written for that. I think it's um, a good point. Evaluate the source. Right? Yeah. Like it, if her name is Beyonce or not, like evaluate, you know, what they, what they value and what mm -hmm. they yeah. have contributed to. And you're right. That's a good, a good thing to look at. Look at her work as a whole and say like, okay, would she be the best um, biblical influence upon reading scripture. Mm -hmm. Cause you can take a lot of things in this world and make a metaphor back to something Christian related, like a stool and the three legs yeah. Lord or, of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. Like there's lots of things you can use to bring as metaphors or like symbols to kind of see out of the Christian, you know, out of some that's from Christianity, but through the lens of Christianity is how you're supposed to look out yeah. into the things of the world. Yeah. I mean, Jesus himself used parables, right? Mm -hmm. The idea that there are illustrations to be had pastors use illustrations, but um, super dangerous. You know, it's like when somebody reads a parable and takes it to be truth. Yeah. You know, the, the exact true. implications are truth, right? For example, God would leave the 99 to find the one. Therefore that's reckless. God is reckless. But I mean, you're, you're crossing out a whole bunch of 
ideas like, oh, God actually never leaves anyone because, you know, he's omnipresent. Mm -hmm. And I mean, all Mm -hmm. these things that, you know, you you have to negate in order to come to that conclusion. So dangerous, very dangerous to rely on any kind of illustration or lens that is not scripture itself. Good? Good. Mm -hmm. All right. Last clip. And then we are, we're done in this one. Well, we're 32 minutes. Should we? Yeah, let's run this last one. Lift up your hearts. So it's just a clip right there. We live in a world where a mostly male church debates whether or not women should be ordained. Mm. But Jesus chose Mary of Nazareth, a woman of color, and another woman of color, Mary of Magdala, to be the prophet of the resurrection. So what is very clear to me is that God is a lot more comfortable in trusting his power and authority to women of color than the church is. All right, who wants to tackle that one? I mean, we have like a minute left. I mean, we'll come back, we'll come back to this conversation. Yeah. We'll start at this conversation next week as well. Yeah, I have some big feelings about this. Yes. Cuz here's the truth. We often like I read the Bible and I often picture all white people when really probably no one in the Bible was even white. Like I do think that we have had a historically skewed view of people in scripture when Jesus was a man of color and most people in the bible were also people of color because they're from the middle east and asia and different places that aren't america because jesus was a middle-aged white american man you know and so i think that like what the guy was saying there like is it necessarily completely inaccurate but it is completely skewing the whole purpose of everything god's intent yeah. Right. Like it's he, skewing God's intent in the whole thing yeah. in the first place. Like as if God chose Mary Magdalene, as if as if Jesus chose her because she was a person of color. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Or the, when they all were. Yeah. Like, Everyone there. And I, yeah. I just want to ask if everybody's a person of color, is anybody a person of color? Like I just want to know. Right. In that in that moment, like like if 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 we're all white in the room, it, am I choosing anybody because they're white? No, but we're still all white. I know, but what I'm saying is like, it's yeah. not my intent, right? Like, yeah. oh, there's three of us in the room and I need to choose somebody. Yeah. Mm, I better p- make sure I choose someone that's white. Yeah. Like it just, it's a very weird concept to think, you know, here's the thing. Did Jesus ever, did Jesus ever choose anybody that wasn't a Jew? Mm-hmm. Did he? Like in, in his earthly ministry, can you think of anybody, did he ever choose anybody that, that wasn't a Jew to, to follow him? To follow him, I'm not aware of. I can think of like some miracles and yeah, of course, but, but not. I'm just asking. A Samaritan him. woman. She didn't follow him, right? He didn't ask her to follow him. Yeah. Okay, so is Jesus a racist then? No, and he's not a racist. One because we know that he saves both the Gentile and Jew, and Scripture mm-hmm. reveals that, right? Mm-hmm. Scripture reveals it time and time and time the and time again. The picture of heaven is every yeah, tribe, it, tongue, and nation. Exactly. Yeah. But when you focus on just a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, when you're like that man right there, and focus on who was in the room when Jesus made a decision, like, okay, well, who who was in Jesus' ministry when he was there for three years? The people that followed him were Jews, Jewish men. So was Jesus a sexist too? Because only men were his disciples that were became the apostles that. Were the fathers of the church? Mm-hmm. No, of course not, because that wasn't Jesus's motive, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And that wasn't his decision making. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah. chose Mary Magdalene because he chose her, yeah, because he desired to use her. Because we don't know why he chooses us completely. And yeah. we do see in Scripture that Jesus does elevate women so much more than their culture. In their culture, women were absolute yes. trash and not 
seen as valuable at all. And Jesus completely changed that narrative. And so we can be so thankful for the way that God views women and the roles that he has created us for, but not to a place where we are elevating that as our highest quality, as the most yeah. important thing and, about our life. Yeah. And he valued them so much, he didn't put them in a role that they shouldn't be in, mm-hmm. right? Like the, to the opposite end, right? Mm-hmm. He valued and loved them so much that he withheld certain things from them because he knew you know, how man and woman is meant to be created. And mm-hmm. there are certain things you know, in, in both genders that the other should not do yeah. mm-hmm. or is not, is, not, is not gifted to do, right? We're yeah. not called to do, I should say. And that's where this statement he makes here is interesting because he's talking about women ordained in the church, speaking of leadership roles in the church that being debated versus the Mary receiving Jesus's resurrection, very different. And it's not the same yeah. conversation. Like women can be elevated and you can still mm-hmm. have a conversation of what the leadership roles look like. Yeah. And it's not a good, from what I understand in scripture, I should say it's not a good comparison. And yeah. just because if you don't, like we don't believe that women should be pastors, doesn't mean that women can't lead in any capacity ever. No. You and, know, that it isn't uh, this all or nothing type of thing where either like women have value and can lead or women are useless and do nothing. Like I'm obviously yeah. here on this podcast, like there can still be value in women oh, yeah. discussing theology and having these conversations, but I'm not ever going to be the senior pastor of Cormdale Bible Church, nor would I ever want yeah. to be. If you guys want to think more on this, talk more on this, Mike Winger, he's a YouTube, I call him a YouTube theologian. I don't think he would call himself that. Uh, he runs BibleThinker.org. He is currently going through a 10-part series on women in ministry where he covers every single scripture that is that is relevant to women in ministry. And he, cool. he goes through, it's beautiful. He's only on two of them right now, two out of 10. And it's really great. It covers a lot of the stuff Hannah just said in, in tons of depth. Uh, I highly recommend if you guys, if this is starting to light a fire under you to really think about what women's role are in the church, then uh, go listen to that. And then also, if you want to hear about it from a woman, I would love to talk about it. I am very comfortable in my role as a submissive wife and in the leadership that I am a part of in our church. And I totally am like, I feel freedom in the way that God has designed that. I would love to talk about it. Yeah. And I just, I'll just, I'll end here because we're 30 minutes in um, and we'll, we'll, we'll pick up here as well. Everyone looks at something through their own lens, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we try to speak at it like it's truth. Even just the statement he said, a mostly male church mm-hmm. saying that women shouldn't be in leadership. Like my lens is that the church is dominated by women. Statistically, like, like, I'm pretty sure yeah, it is. Like yeah. numbers wise, Statistically. Like, I look and I'm like, I try to find a man that yeah. is a, a, a devoted. <laughs> I mean, I, I look around our church. I see very few single men here, but I see lots of available single women that are mm-hmm. godly women. And yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's because men need to stand up, oh, they need to rise yeah. up, right? <laughs> and and so my lens tells me that the church is actually dominated by women. Yeah, mm-hmm. I and, agree. And that women are the, statistically, the, the number in attendance is higher. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just take that with the, with the, just take that and run with it, guys. And the idea that like, we all try to make our own lens truth. Mm-hmm. And the whole point is to come back to scripture because it's the common mm-hmm. truth in all of us, you know, yeah. amongst all of us. So we got lots more yeah. to cover. So remember, if you have a question or something wasn't clear, send an email, ask the question. Yeah. We would love to touch on it. Cody mm-hmm. R at cdbible.org. Send it before next Thursday. That would be Thursday the... Uh, the First? Yeah, Thursday the 1st. The 1st, right? Because it's or the 24th of March right now. So I add seven days to that. Um, 31st. The 31st, because yeah. March has 31 days. Yeah. I never know. All right. Send it by March 31st, and we'll get to it. All right? Cool.
cool. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We're going to head back into it next week. We might have said some stuff that's hard for you to hear. Just know we love you. We're Mm -hmm. praying for our conversations with you and our conversations with each other here. Um, We never want to insult somebody based on... um, on something that's not true, but we don't mind convicting people on the word of God. So um, I pray that if you have felt quote unquote insulted or convicted, that you would seek the Lord as to what is what and uh, how he may have you respond in this moment and what he might have for you that would push against what you believe or what he might have for you to bring up to us. Just consider all those things. Like I said, we love you. We're praying for you. We'll see you next time.